I'm Max, and you're listening to Zito Slipitas, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you volleyball and or basketball players? I'm Alan. I'm actually in the play. Oh, you're a drama student. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I'm decided I'm a twin. Oh, wait, that's (laughs) something you can just decide? Yep. Who's the twin? Someone that looks nothing like you, but you're going <laughs> to pretend to be your twin. So me, so me, I'm someone <laughs> eight years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is Zetus Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, we watched the movie Double Teamed. Not that movie, friends. Yeah, Disney yeah. Channel a Disney movie. Channel movie. The Disney Channel one. There was a little bit of a Google fiasco where I just typed in double teamed raw. Uh, not that double last word. I'm sorry. Not you that last word. Not that last raw? word. No I, wonder you had a I, I Come on, Alan. I mean. I typed in double teamed without any other words. You got to type that in on that's what i intended (laughs) and the search results i got back were startling (laughs) to say the least so Mm. i had to throw disney on the end of there and that finally gave me the results that i was looking for yeah Um, this movie aired january 18th of the year 2002 and a description of it was very short sweet and to the point two sisters become world famous basketball players i don't think that's what this movie is about (laughs) i don't know i don't know i mean like Does it result in them being professional basketball players? Yes. Yes. Is that what this movie is about? No. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hey, but that's the result. Based on a semi-true story about identical twins, which is not what we get in Double Teamed. We get people who are blonde and stand next to each other. Did either of you watch? Uh, they should have. I'm just going to say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. should have taken. I don't know how much of this was the true story. I, it, I that it, if it was, if it was even uh, partial, they should have taken more creative license. They should have. They should have done more. Something. They should have. They should have. I. Uh, I have. I. I don't even know how to say what I'm wanting to say. But like, there was. It just. It's just not a good movie story. Let me just tell you. <laughs> You're gonna be a basketball player, okay? All right. Cool. I. I just want to get this out there. They were identical twins. I looked it up. Yeah, the they're actual, not yeah, fraternal twins. Sisters. They were identical twins. And the people well, that's they, where they decided to take the creative liberty. I guess. Yeah, that's that's the, creative the kicker. Liberty was casting two women that look nothing alike, other than the fact that they're both blonde, and then them consistently referring to each other as being an identical twin. Mm-hmm. Which uh, and it drove confused me. Like, just say you're fraternal. You look like you don't just, look yeah, anything alike. Take the creative liberty and just say they're fraternal twins in the movie. We'll be fine. <sighs> Did either of you watch this movie as a kid? No. No. Mm, same i remember it coming out i Me remember too. i remember the title i remember that this was a thing i'm i'm familiar with it but i didn't watch it yeah this movie i actually have no recollection of its release i remember hearing when we first started this podcast i remember looking at me like double team that feels like a crazy thing to call a movie that disney puts out there but that's about the only history i have with it Let's talk about some of the top things that were happening on January 18th of the year 2002. The top song of the time was You Got It Bad by Usher. You got it, you got it bad when you're alone. Dun, 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 dun. You got it, you got it bad. 
So I was watching this music video a little bit before we started Sexy recording. Guy. There's a lot of Usher shirtless yeah. in a bed with like silk sheets. That is the ah. motif of that ah. particular music video. I think that's probably most Usher music videos from this time. Yeah. Peace up, A-Town down. <laughs> I lived in A-Town, that song, couldn't escape it. Yeah, it plays everywhere. Usher, uh, Usher, Usher. In the club with my homies. Okay, so the top film of the time, the top grossing movie was Black Hawk Down. Oh, I remember that movie. That, Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where'd he go? What's he? He hasn't been in anything since this time period, to my knowledge. What's he been up to? I don't know. He did that movie about not having sex for 40 days. What? Y'all remember that movie? No. Nope. It was called, I think, 40 Days and 40 Nights, and he had a bet because he was a... He was a a playa? Sleeping around. Oh. A playa. A playa. And he was getting his dick wet a lot with a lot of different mm. ladies. And uh, one lady uh-huh. in particular, I think, bets him, like, you can't have sex for 40 days and then I'll go out with you. Mm. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the premise. In terms of top events or news headlines of the time, there were really only two sort of big things that happened. One, which is a very big thing, the Sierra Leone Civil War ended after lasting 11 years. It actually ended on January 18th of 2002 based on my my news article perusing. Now, it might be off by a day or two, but that is when it was notated on the article that I read, which is very good, positive thing for history. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're about to move into this era of time when the Justice Department of the United States begins investigating Enron. Oh. Oh. We're in the Enron collapse, baby. Nice. Like, oh, corporate greed. I definitely didn't understand what was happening at the time. Same, yeah. Well, now I think we know it all too well. Uh, And, you know, capitalism, baby. Love that. So those are the top news headlines of the time. Really sort of the ending of a very, very bad thing and the start of a very, very good thing, investigating Enron and their their nastiness and their sort of tomfoolery. With that, are you ready to talk about this incredible sports film? This cinematic masterpiece. You get it. This movie that dribbled so that high school musical might dribble and sing. I would argue, I would posit that... And the only reason that I posit this is because the coach of the basketball team in this film is the principal in High School Musical, which is like, hey, DCOM Community Theater. This movie. Is that truly, true? I believe so. I'm going to look that up. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But they looked awful familiar to me. So this movie has all of the elements of High School Musical plus an unnecessary volleyball beginning. And no singing, unfortunately. True. Yeah, no singing. Okay, we kick off this film (laughs) with the introduction to our main players. You have the twins, Heather and Heidi, as well as mom and dad. Heather is up working out active, shaking the house to its foundations. Heidi, the opposite of that. Heidi is asleep. It results in twins going downstairs, meeting mom, and having an argument immediately over the same outfit they're wearing because, oh, shucks, they're twins. And we're going to get this bit of like, we're the same person over and over and over again. And they're just not. We've talked about this a little bit in the intro. Like, these are different humans here. That like It's not even like a Lindsay Lohan and Parent Trap situation. It's like, nah, let's get a 20-year-old and a 28-year-old and put them in like, you're twins now. I, I'm just going to, like, I, I'll probably... I don't know how you don't talk about this more, but 
you just said it and i and i don't want people to think that that's being hyperbolic because this girl is legitimately 27 years old at time of filming and the the premise of this film is that they are going into high school and that they are 14 <laughs> and but they they just look so much older than everyone else around them it is like yeah, they're they're they are clearly they're tall. They got tall girls. They actually put they did padding in their. They're five eight. I looked them up. They're five eight. Well, they're not. Then that everyone tall. is short. They did put padding in their shoes. I did. I did see that they put padding in their shoes to make huh. them look even taller. Um, but Were those even regardless heels? of them looking taller, they just look like grown adults and like. It's, no one else it's like they're surrounded by children it's glaring because it looks like they hired a bunch of actual 14 year olds and then like you said literally two women that are in their 20s one of them being in her late 20s and yeah. it's very apparent like they might as well have cast six-year-olds because of what the difference between mm-hmm. them and the other high schoolers like it's just shocking but yeah i looked up how tall they were and they're they're both five eight and a half which is not that tall i mean if you're so the they are purported as what six one they they keep saying they're like around six feet and i mean it must just be a lot of forced perspective and heels because they do look taller than everyone else they do not by a little bit by a much taller yeah they are andre the giant in the princess bride Which, like they're huge i guess if you hired a bunch of people that are like five two and then they're five eight and, well, and they heels. and they're putting pads or whatever in yeah. their in their shoes yeah uh and also just for the record uh alan you are correct we are gonna see the fine acting skills of joey miyashima again as he will be the principal in high school musical I'm proud of myself nice. for for, uh, for being community about that. theater well debut yeah. awesome yeah way to go joey what we have sort of in this opening sequence are a couple of themes that are going to continue to recur which is nice that we see them at the outset and we can keep going back to these the twins heather and heidi are often involved in the same activities though they would like to be their own individual people they would like to stop being treated as the same unit by particularly their father Speaking of their father, dude, I did not like this guy at all. I'm going to go ahead and get it out there. He is the stereotypical sports dad who is forcing his own failed dreams on his children. And it was it was just like they just kept hammering it home for a very lackluster womp, womp, semi-resolution at the end, in my opinion. And we get to it. But those are like the main things that we see. And mom, as always, this is not a single parent kind of tick up for this group. Mom is carrying all of the emotional weight for the family, which I'm, is a decom. Trope. I'm getting really sick of writing dad sucks down in my notes. Yeah. Like, we have had very few good dads. Yeah. And I, I, I had the same feeling watching this Molly of I, I am f- getting frustrated. And I think it's just a 2000s trope, unfortunately, late 90s, 2000s trope. I'm frustrated with how often the dad is the villain of the movie or is the is the like negative parental force like they even it would have made more sense in this movie if mom was the one that was playing this role because they establish late in the film that mom was an athlete. 
and that mom swam competitively and that mom lost. And it would have made way more sense, I think, for mom to be the one being like, you need to be great. You need to be, you need to get recruited. You need to be competitive. You, because I wasn't able to, I didn't like mom should have been that character, but it's always, I'm getting frustrated with it always being dad. That is the, the one that is bad. And, and mom often out to your point is bearing the emotional weight or is a non-factor, a non-character in one of these movies. It's one of those, but it's always the dad that is the problem. And, and to, to add on to that, as someone who was once a teenage girl, the conflict you have is with mom as a teenage girl, mm. most of the time mm. and not dad for, all of my friends, the parent they fought with was mom because you're just similar and that's just what happens. Like I would assume for most boys, they have a bigger conflict with dad. So uh, to your point, it would make more sense for there to be tension with mom and the girls versus dad. And it's really interesting how they played it because you mentioned that mom was a swimmer and it seems like mom has processed whatever she's dealt with effectively. And that's the message that they try to convey down the road. But it feels like dad's only motivation is the monetary factor. Like he even calls Heather his the money player. So like that to me kept driving home. Dad's only interested in money. And we get that seated early on when the girls are playing volleyball as their main sport, which lasts for maybe the first five to 10 minutes of this movie. It's, it is mm-hmm. a ridiculous drop in the bucket where another dad comes up to the, the father in this film and is like, Hey, are you starting to get your girls ready for scholarships and the scouts and da, 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 da. You got, you know, they got to get one to go to college and the recruiters don't come to these small schools. And that's the, that is the push that gets the bolder rolling of dad. Like we got to move schools. We got to get our girls in a place where their scouts are going to see them, which like, which pushes the entire plot of the movie forward of them going to this new school, a bigger school with rich kids that has a lot more um, visibility for their sporting events. And they, they went for volleyball. Like basketball was a non-factor at the start of this movie until Heather like accidents into the gym when she's looking for a place to work out, right? It, so, so that was kind of, I don't, maybe it's just me, but it's like, I, why do we have volleyball as a part to the start of this? Right. I mean, I don't know. It could have just as easily been basketball and they're going to play basketball, but what do I know? This is sort of my point is that if this was a true, if this was really part of the story, if, if truly they were volleyball players and then they, that was the impetus for them, change it. Like they should have changed it. It doesn't make, I totally agree with you. It doesn't make any damn sense. Like there's no reason for volleyball to be in this movie at all. It, it, it feels weird for them to be volleyball players. And then they switch to basketball and they're just great (laughs) having never played basketball before. Like if, if that, even if it's true, even if that's their story, change it. You're making a movie. Like it's, I, and what I get most upset about is there's missed opportunity for comedy with the volleyball to basketball switch. Have them spike the basketball. Have them try to bump it to another player. Like, make it comical in a way that shows transition as opposed to somebody just being naturally good at the thing. I I would have loved nothing more. Nothing more than early on that conflict that we get between Nikki, who's another basketball player, and Heather to result in Heather just spiking the ball oh at God. Nikki. Breaker like, that does. would have been hilarious. <laughs> I would have lost it. I mean, because that's just like, otherwise, why? There's no payoff for them being volleyball players at all. 
Right. Can I say something? Yeah, though? please, please. Uh, in the intro scene, or maybe it's the volleyball scene, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. At one point, they play a song that is supposed to be reminiscent of an early 2000s like alternative song. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. anybody. I've never yeah. heard that song, but based on that one guitar chord... I felt like I knew that song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it like it hit a D chord and you're like, like, I'm immediately in. Immediately put yeah. me into the early 2000s where all mm-hmm. those bands, like All, Amer- all American Rejects and Good Charlotte and Simple Plan, they all hit that one chord on Don't repeat. Don't want to be an American. And it's like, oh. they didn't want to pay for one of those songs, so they just got some other, like, yeah. Like, knockoff it did, of it those, did but feel, yeah. A I was like pop like, punk kind yeah. of. I was like, oh, where's uh, the eyeliner and the and the yeah. spiked collar necklace? Yeah, it, that's just so funny. And like again, also in the opening scene because this continues to play out throughout the film, is we get the dynamic between the sisters with where Heather is the older sister by a minute, and and seven years, and, and yeah, and seven <laughs> yeah. years, and Heidi's the younger sister, and Heather's always coming in first, and Heidi is not, and it's because of like Heather's work ethic and like that. There's a whole variety of factors that means dad is biased towards one of his children and he is unabashedly biased and it's wild throughout this movie but ultimately dad makes this dad makes the call just makes the executive decision to relocate his family to a wealthy part of town to go to a bigger school doesn't ask anybody how they feel about it just comes and delivers the message to his two 14 but definitely not 14 year old daughters and his wife can i just say this is another thing i'm sick of I am sick of bad dad, and then I'm also sick of mom coming in two thirds of the way through the movie with a big rousing, emotional they, backbone. They don't speech. need a coach; they need a father. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, but I'm sick of mom not doing anything now. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck does mom go along with dad every time? And it's like, all she does is later in the movie give the speech, but that has happened time and time again, where it's like. How much of a passerby in your relationship and your children's like raising your children that you're just going to let him uproot the girls, not care about their friends, not care about their school, move to a new neighborhood you know nothing about? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. I would never like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just don't like that depiction of a woman because that just makes all the moms look like they're just like, whatever. Just kind of passive. And yeah, they're like- so passive. Which I think it's just, uh, unfortunately, I think that this is reflective of late 90s, early 2000s writing of parents. And I think it's just really lazy. I mean, the other trope I remember from this time, especially in like sitcom parents was like, guys just don't get it. And like, it would always be like the dad like brings home a bad gift for uh for a birthday or Christmas and mom's like, you idiot, you guys will never get it. You know, and like that, it's just lazy writing and it's every parent was written exactly the same on all of these early 2000s, late 90s shows and movies. And yeah, I agree, Molly. I think it's, it's, I am, I'm over it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, of being like, Oh, we have another competition for the worst guy we've seen. And like, like even, even the mom in motocross who I think we can all agree is one of the better moms. Cause she actually does take action to help her child. Mm-hmm. All I yelled about for that whole movie was that she should leave her shitty husband at the end, but at yeah. the end she still forgives shitty dad and like doesn't stand up to him. And it's just like, they're writing. Yeah. They're writing these caricatures of like, douchebag dad passive mom 
and that's your parents in every yep. movie. In yeah. every one of them. It makes me wonder about the impact of that particular trope on how we process things. Because like we were the generation or the generation immediately before or after us was were the ones targeted by these mm-hmm. by these bits of media. So it's like what is like how did that fuck us up, right? Like what mm-hmm. what did that do to our brain chemistry? It's just a weird family dynamic that is being purported and pushed all the time in these things. And I'm looking forward to when we watch it sort of change and make a shift because it does. I don't know that we will. Uh, to be honest, like, I mean, not for a long time, right? Because we just hit the early odds. So, I mean, we're, we're yeah. like knee deep in it. But anyway, back to their tandem bicycle. Yeah. Let's start, <laughs> so I do want to talk about the twins really quickly, uh, specifically on the tandem bike and, and beyond the tandem bike that maybe it's just me and me reading into this movie, but the twins will have this moment of incredible sincerity and closeness. And then they will also have moments where they are about to get into f- true physical altercations like in public physical altercations and i was like this yep. as somebody who had a sibling like this doesn't feel like sibling upset this feels like you hate each other like this feel mm. it goes from like these these almost too mushy bits of closeness to they're gonna straight up punch each other in the throats like mm-hmm. it was a very weird swing for me i don't know if either of you caught that because like that that's what i started to feel i don't have any siblings but i was a 14 year old girl at one point and i gotta tell you your hormones are out of fucking control and so i i'm i buy it like i buy if you had a, an identical twin as a 14 year old girl especially if you're heidi and the the one the that is not heidi, yeah which one does the dad not like Heidi. Heidi. If you're Heidi, I would hate Heather. Like I Sure. A lot of resentment. The resentment would would be misplaced probably to the sister and not and we see that later and not to the dad where it belongs. Mm -hmm. So I I buy it. I I, I'm sure more examples of this are gonna come up, but I think I think what I felt watching this movie is that we are once again victim to something we have seen in DCOMs previous, which is I I think for most, if not my entire takeaway of this film, that these are not likable characters. I think that they are pretty awful to each other and to a lot of other characters in the movie. And I didn't enjoy watching them. Uh, in fact, I think the antagonist is the hero of this film. <laughs> we're back to we're back to like. The early, early decoms. Yeah. I legitimately, I think that like they are not as sympathetic as Nikki. I, I actually have, I, I took a note down of a specific scene that I want to go over with you a little bit. That happens a little bit later about Nikki. And it was like this weird, I can't wait to get to it. I'm, it's just a very weird moment where I'm like, this feels hypocritical. What's happening in the scene. And I can't wait to get yeah. to it. Yeah. So we've moved. We we did get a period joke first, which I did enjoy. Yeah, uh, they and they that's the only one they put in the entire movie, which is normalize having those conversations, folks. But we get to we the moved to Palos Verdes High School, by the way, which is not far away from me right now. Uh, wait, it's right down the road. What? That's so they cool. compete in the Long Beach Arena at the end of this film. This this is a local movie for me. They compete in that same gym the entire film. I'm just <laughs> they saying just... they call it the Long Beach Arena. But Palos Verdes High School, actually the home of the Sea Kings. That That's is, cool. uh, it's the correct mascot, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's not far from me. That's. That's dope as hell. Uh, so they moved to the high, the Palo Verde High School, and 
Drama twin, as I referred to her for a while, Heidi, drama twin, finds the drama club and begins making some uh, making some friends in the drama club, starting to be a part of a play. They want to bring her in as the tin man because she's tall and can fill out the costume. While Heather stumbles into the gym and specifically basketball practice uh, while she's looking for a place to work out for volleyball. And that's when the the basketball coach who we've previously said becomes the principal he gets a promotion when he becomes the principal of high school musicals high school east high nights or west high sees her and he's like oh my gosh super tall we've got a savior to our basketball program when he's already got nikki who's pretty good at the whole basketball thing nikki by the way i recognized her voice before i recognized her face I literally heard her and I was like, wait a minute, that's Louise. Uh, I'm straight out of Gilmore Girls, baby! (laughs) I'm aware of who she is. Oh, I'm sure. I I imagine you are, Molly. I imagine (laughs) you are. I feel like we're going to get another reprisal of the Gilmore Girls. I I didn't catch it immediately, though, because she's blonde in Gilmore. And uh, that and like that long, dark hair, I, I like didn't pick it. I was like, man, she looks familiar. But the moment she talked, I was like, Boy, I know that. I know that voice. You sound exactly the same. So eventually, Heidi is recruited and joins the basketball team after telling dad, like, hey, volleyball season's out for a while. I can stay in shape while doing basketball. And dad. Heather, right? uh, Yeah, Heather. Thank you. Heather is uh, being recruited, goes to dad, says, hey, dad, I want to do this thing. Dad has some initial concerns. Then it's like, hell yeah, all for it. And then that then, then he forgets about volleyball. This is the moment where dad forgets about volleyball. That's right. We are now a basketball family. Mm-hmm. So Heather has her first practice and there's tension with Nikki right off the bat. She utters some great zingers to Heather as they're on the court together. My favorite one was like taking candy from a baby. I, mm-hmm. I think it's important that anytime you introduce like a mean girl character, they have to say their version of Let's get one thing straight. This is my team. Mm-hmm. This is my house. This is my club. This is my school. Doesn't matter, but we are going to get one thing straight. Mm-hmm. And she, she nails it. She got it. She said it. I've mi- I'm not going to lie to you. I've missed a mean girl. She reminds me of what's her Bargy from Xenon. And yeah. I've missed the mean girl <laughs> bully. I, I like the mean girl bully trope more than the jackass guy. I, I'm not joking when I say I think she has the best arc in the film. Oh, like, agreed. Oh, I like her. I, oh, agreed. I, I think like she her. is. I legitimately think she's a more sympathetic character than either of these twins. 100%. Like I, I don't dislike the twins, but I will agree that Nikki's the best character. Yeah, by far. Because what we established from that, like we get Nikki start to lose her grasp of the coach's confidence in that scene because we have the uh, Dikemba Mutumbo moment where Heather just slaps the ball out of the air and out of, out of uh, Nikki's shot. No, no, no. No, no, no. And like the coach immediately fought. Like the, you're just like, okay, well now everybody, the coach in particular is on Heather's side. Heather's the new talent. And that's well, she's like, never played basketball before. She's immediately the best person on the fucking court. Like, sure. like this girl, the, Nikki was last year, the star player, the like league MVP. And now she's getting beat by, I mean, initially she's better than her. Initially she's like running circles around her, but it takes all of five minutes before yeah. Heather is suddenly the best player on the court. Well, Heather's I, 28. I believe, <laughs> I do wrong. believe that her height would help her. Like, I feel like, yeah, if she's theoretically six foot and Nikki's five, five, then yeah, she probably could 
smack the ball away from her but she all of a sudden starts draining baskets too and oh it's my like, god can't miss <laughs> yeah and it's like that's not a skill from your height so, <laughs> like yeah. that's just... so i i don't want to know i don't remember where i got this figure but i went back to check it i think it was like a full fucking hour until we see a twin miss a shot like yeah. it's an hour into the movie before well, they miss a basket well i'll tell you there's a shot where they uh, we'll talk about it, but there's a moment where they definitely miss a shot, but oh, they yeah. act like they made it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, re- I rewound it and played it back a couple times. And be like that didn't go in, right? Not crazy. <laughs> My favorite is that the majority of the shots were all cutaways, so you'd oh, yeah. see the character shoot and they would cut to basket and just mm. whoosh yeah. into the into the net. That happened most of the movie. It's oh, just man. like the cutaway, and I think it was just the same three baskets <laughs> over and over some over. different <laughs> angles yeah. like they could be in the gym but somehow it's gonna have the blue sky over it like yeah. it's yeah, just yeah. Oh, God. I, I mean, I do think it's nice that Disney is staying with tradition of making movies about sports no one cares about Oh, for sure. Love that. Uh, well, nobody and nobody cares about basketball Hold on. yet. Basketball is like very popular. Yeah, but it's women's basketball, Max. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, the dad is surprised there's going to be a pro league at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, someone had to make that joke, and it couldn't be you two, so. Yeah. It's also not the, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the joke, but it's also interesting timing to be making it since the women's NCAA final was one of the most viewed things on television this year. And like, I'm thrilled. Very to talked about. We very timely for us to be watching this movie. We have yeah. made progress. Go us. Go us. I'm, I'm glad that we care about women's sports but in 2002 we did not that's true while after after nikki and heather have their standoff heidi is then invited to a party well i'm sorry i'm sorry oh is it with dorothy please i insist it is with dorothy because i i i i i fucking couldn't process what we were what i was watching i I mean it was very 2002 it was the most 2002 alan as you said heidi gets brought into the drama school she meets a character by the name of zoe who you think is going to be important and then they just Mm -hmm. write her out of this movie you also think is she kat dennings but she's not she does kind of look like kat dennings doesn't she but yeah she's like (laughs) very important for the first 15 minutes of this movie and then basically never shows up again but um it's crazy as you said, they have Heidi in the Tin Man outfit because apparently she's the only person tall enough to fit it. And <laughs> they're at rehearsal and a character by the name of Marvin is standing in for oh, Dorothy. Marvin. Yeah. And there is some pretty explicit homophobic mm-hmm. language being used. I yep. mean, it's not there's no slurs, but like Heidi is basically like, I'm uncomfortable with him wearing ruby slippers. And every other character's like, it is pretty weird. Like what what's weird to me is that at first I thought, oh, this is brave. Because they don't Sure. When it starts, it's them reading lines and it's him clicking his ruby slippers together and she's a female tin man. So I thought, oh, did they gender swap? Wizard of Oz, how brave for 2002. Yeah, pretty bold. Bold move. Yeah. And then, because he's reading the lines for Dorothy, but then Zoe's like, no, he's just standing in for auditions. And that's fine. But then yep. it like, I was like, oh, okay. 
I was at a high and then I was at a neutral. And then you're right. It starts with, yeah, this is weird that he's wearing those shoes. Take them off. And then I was like, damn it. Heidi's like, Heidi's like, anybody else creeped out by this? Like, And and she's like, yeah, take mm. the red slippers off. And you're like, come on. Guys, guys. It was not a great scene. I, I, I agree. I actually didn't go to the, the place you did, although I, that's a good take. And, and had they committed to it, it would have been a great look for the movie. And it definitely would have been bold for 2002. I didn't go as far as like, Oh, they're gender swapping. I just, you know, I, I heard their, them say like, Oh, that he's just doing the stand in. But then they made the thing out of it. And I was like, damn it. Double teamed. Yeah. It's it's one of those like wow we hit cringe really fast and like it's, it's not bad. even like it's not like Marvin's a character that's gonna stick around this no. is a throwaway joke for nothing didn't even need to like be there. we're not gonna stay in the play we're not gonna keep interacting with Marvin there's nothing here it's a throwaway joke that means zero mm-hmm. but from that Heidi gets invited to a party that turns out to be at Nikki's house. Heidi goes and the entire purpose of Heidi going to the party is to drive this rich versus um, poor subplot that they have going on. And Heidi, in this instance, lies about where she lives in relationship to the rest of the students in an effort to fit in. It's a, it's a pseudo like mean girls moment that I got. I got really mean girls vibes from that because Nikki and Zoe are like, well, where do you live? What's the address? And you just see Heidi make it up on the fly, which I was like, oh, this is not like this doesn't feel good. They pay they quote pay it off unquote a little bit later with Nikki's actions, but it serves the purpose of saying and reminding you as an audience member that dad, when they moved, said that the principal of the high school said that the girls could only play at the high school if he was able to find a permanent residence in the district within two months of enrolling at the school. So Heidi's making up the address in this moment, and it's supposed to serve that end. I just, I didn't really get this subplot. Did you all get the vibe that there was pressure or or shame around them being a not having money because my read on this was like she shows up she got invited by zoe zoe doesn't give a shit if she has money it's never brought up she happens to go to a party at a rich girl's house i mean nikki's but she happens to go to a nice house but like when she says something about a driver's always like oh wow like you must really be well off there's never a mention otherwise like she creates this uh it's not like it's not like she wants to join a a friend group and they're all rich like it seems like zoe's not rich i don't understand where this pressure is coming from i i i am glad they paid it off like i'm glad that this wasn't just another subplot i mean it is but i'm glad that they took the through line a little bit further through the movie because it's gonna have more of an effect than just what we're seeing right now but i didn't really get that they were moving to a nicer district until this moment like when the dad says we're gonna move to a new school i didn't pick up on the fact that it's like in the rich part of town it's yeah, I mean, it's in Southern California. Everything's expensive. So I just assume everybody, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I think that this would have been way more effective if there had been conversation from the kids at school about like, 
uh, going and doing something expensive on the mm. weekend or the cars they drive or something that showed that money was part of the social status of this high school where it's like there's basically no mention of money at all from the kids then she goes to this party the friend she's there with seemingly doesn't have a lot of money and then she creates self-pressure to lie about her family's financial situation or living i i just it it felt like it came from nowhere how it pays off down the road isn't necessarily about money either Right. It, it kind of feels like that is just this byproduct of the entire situation because it pays off in two ways. Right. It pays off in the lie and it pays off in the redistricting conversation and making sure the girls can stay in school. Those are the two like the threads that it's intended to follow. Um, so Heidi attends the party. They have this interaction. Heidi lies, goes home to Heather, lets Heather know that she said this lie. And Heidi delivers this winner line. Well, I use my real name. So that's something what what yeah like if you had used a fake name with zoe who knows you already that would have been weird yeah if you are like hi nikki i'm carol and zoe who has met you as heidi is standing right fucking there easy to see through that one i like that nikki confused the two of them because they look so much alike Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was Nikki was like crazy stunt you pulled on the basketball court today, and Heidi's like, "You're talking about my sister." Oh shit! Well, you look the same. The exact Mm-mm. same. Mm-mm. Exact same. Heidi, Heather have this conversation. We then have Heidi going to join Dad, who's setting up a basketball goal in their carport. Can, can I ask a question real quick? Sorry, jumping yeah, sure. back a, f- a little bit, but now that you mentioned dad, why did um, Heather have to ask dad's permission to join the basketball team? Well, they came there to play volleyball. So. I know, but it just feels like. Oh, it's weird. It was weird. To get dad's buy-in on it, to have dad have a reason to change sports. Dad's controlling clearly because he forces one of the kids to do the thing or. Yeah, well, that is also crazy. I mean, the forcing the kid to do the thing comes from, like, dad is, as he's installing that basketball hoop, because now we know he's all in from the permission scene, right? So he's all in on basketball. Heidi comes down and starts playing and just playing randomly with dad, and and they're, like, going against each other in basketball one-on-one. And Heidi's just draining shots. Mm -hmm. So is dad, apparently. Also a gifted basketball player. Incredibly. Incredibly so. And then dad drops the bomb like, hey, by the way, Heidi, I also told the basketball coach, you're going to be playing basketball too. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. The fuck? Excuse me? This you is after what? This is after he delivered my least favorite line in the movie, though. Is it who's your daddy? It's who's your daddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's my least favorite line in the film. No. <laughs> when they're playing basketball uh-uh. and he says to his 14-year-old daughter, who's your daddy? His 4-to-20-year-old daughter. <laughs> is, yeah, right. Is this the scene where every basketball shot was clearly not made by them and you had to rewind it? No. No, that's no. a game. That's a game. <laughs> 
it's the first game we see them this scene i think they had one shot of making a basket and they just kept showing it over and over again sometimes like they would have mirrored it sure yeah yeah, yeah. it's coming from the other way but i'm pretty sure they only had one shot of someone making a basket yeah and and then dad and his utter brilliance is your future is sports not some school play because he's from the south in california but also like i understand that theoretically you could get a scholarship for playing sports but he doesn't even know there's a WNBA yet. What does he really think their future of sports is? Like, not that many people become professional athletes. I, I don't know. This guy... Sucks. I just... It's, it's again, it's why it would have made more sense if the motivation was mom's, like... Yes. My yes. competitive thing. Like, it, it's a better motivation for this well, whole deal. Especially because the dad at one point says something along the lines of like, I didn't take a job where I could have made more money so we could spend more time with our family. But then he's an absolute dick to his family the whole time. So it's like mm-hmm. he wasn't very well written. It's also no. well, I, that's another trope of like the dad saying, I did this for us. So therefore, this is the thing we all do. And I'm like, that feels narcissistic and controlling and not great. Um so, in any case, he pushes Heidi on the basketball team. Heidi is not thrilled. Heidi takes out that anger on Heather because yeah. she believes Heather was the impetus for Heidi joining the basketball team, where I think Heather would have just much preferred she be on the team alone. In fact, they exchanged earlier some dialogue. Heather and Heidi exchanged dialogue like, hey, I miss hanging out with you, but I'm happy that you've got your thing and I'm happy that I've got my thing. Like, they had dialogue that expressed... They are okay having mutually exclusive activities. Well, I think they want to. I think to your point earlier, like this is that I actually really like that scene because throughout the movie so far, I found these characters to not be likable. Right. I found the the interactions they had to make them unlikable up until the that point you're talking about where now they're at a new school they're fitting in heather has found herself on the basketball team she's really excited about that heidi has gotten into the drama club she's gonna go on a boat and run lines or something and they have this interaction (laughs) where it's like hey you go do your thing i'm gonna do my thing i miss you and i was like man they're like fitting in they're like happy they found social circles going to a new school is hard and it, it's this moment where you're like, oh, these characters are likable. I, I enjoy them in this moment because they're happy and like they're fitting in and they're finding the things they want to do. And then it gets like dad just forces Heidi into doing this thing. Heidi resents Heather for whatever reason. And now the characters are back to being unlikable for me because they're just like fighting at each other. I'm like. And they're dicks to all the other kids and they're lying to people. And I'm like, oh, guys, <laughs> it's I, I really did like the line when um, Heidi, I keep getting him confused. Heidi is going to go in the car to go on the boat. And Heather's like, have fun, but you stole my sunglasses. And Heidi's like, but they look better on me. And Heather's like, they look the same, dumbass. We have the same <laughs> face. And I was like, no, you don't. Completely <laughs> different faces. You're different <laughs> actors. <laughs> like, just what don't a- put that line in. Like, don't put that line in. You're fraternal. You just. You- they, they have to say it out loud, Molly, because. 
Otherwise, you'd forget they're twins. Like, yes. they have to be like, guys, but we're twins. Because otherwise, you're like, that person's seven years older. <laughs> and their face is like, nothing the same. Like, they're so different. They have the same haircut. God. That's all they have. They have the same haircut and, like, are the same height. That's it. <laughs> That's Jesus. the end. Okay. It goes from Heidi being forced onto the team to their first practice together. And I'm going to kind of lump the first practice and the scrimmage all together at once. Because all these things serve to do is these are the twins going after each other. It starts in the practice. It is hostile in the practice. It's Berg on Berg violence. And then it continues to the scrimmage. I do have to say one thing about the scrimmage, though. The coach, not very motivational. Because his entire speech to the team and I'm going to abridge this, is as follows. It's like, everybody here gets their shot before they get cut. Don't be nervous. Everybody's watching. Don't be nervous. Don't get cut. <laughs> Have you ever read a motivational book, my guy? <laughs> that, is, that is a threat, what you have just done there. It's like, hey, listen, everybody's going to get their shot or you get cut. Don't worry, though. Everybody's watching you right now, <laughs> so don't fuck up and get cut. <laughs> You're a Powerful shit words. coach. You're a Powerful. shit coach. I kind of liked him. I thought he was. Yeah, I like the coach too. Oh, yeah. that that just—he's a likable character. He's that speech just coach, threw me. But I enjoyed him as a character. Oh, I also loved the great team chants as they're sort of in their pregame huddles of "Go" and "Win." Mm-hmm. Those are the chants. <laughs> I was like, didn't really break any brain cells writing those down there, did we? Mm. And this is when I think I, I actually got physically angry at this scene because the entire scrimmage is Heather versus Heidi. They're playing on opposite teams of one another. They are only Heather or Heidi are taking shots. Only yep. Heather or Heidi are defending each other. And then in the midst of this, again, Berg on Berg twin violence, we get Nikki coming in who is trying to take a shot. That's all she wants to do. Take a shot, dribble the basketball, be more involved. And Coach is screaming at Nikki to pass the ball to Heather. And then Nikki takes a shot. Coach calls timeout. I'm actually so mad at this. Coach calls timeout and then chews Nikki up for being a selfish ball hog. Bro, the entire scrimmage was Heather and Heidi. Nikki does it one time, my guy. Also, her shot went in. Yeah, it did. Also, she made that shot. <laughs> she did. And it was not a layup. That's all Heather and Heidi did was yeah. lay it up. Nikki put up like a three-pointer from beyond the from beyond the arc. You know what I mean? Like it went she, in. Like, she it was Steph Curry. She did, and I was like, why? She and then she gets benched, and I was like, this is this is what would happen to a hero of the story. This is another, I mean, it's another, it's another, that's, that's exactly my point. It's another reason why I think Nikki is written in a weird way to be an antagonist because you put the antagonist who's supposed to be the like star player that's in like in front as the assist player. Like all she's doing is facilitating gameplay throughout the whole. How am I supposed to root against the girl that's passing the ball every like all game? She's setting everybody up like she's the game facilitator and I'm supposed to root against that girl. I mean, obviously, like the the two uh, that are at odds right now are the sisters, but you've made this mean girl into the assist player, which is not it's it's counterintuitive to the role you want her to play in this in this movie 
this is the scene that I mentioned where they they put up the ball and they miss. Nikki passes to Heather down the court and Heather takes a shot and it like rolls around the rim and then it it rolls out of the hoop. It doesn't go in and they cut to Heather like celebrating. She's like, "Woo! Yeah!" And they're like, two points for Heather Burge." And I like I was like, "That that wasn't in, right? And I like backed it up and I was like, that rolled out of the hoop, right? Like that, that, I, that shot like didn't go in the in the basket. Like, uh, and it wasn't a cutaway shot. You saw her make the shot and it rolled out of the rim. And I was like, okay. At, at this point too, I don't remember if it, the exact order and it doesn't really matter. We've also gotten more, we've learned more about Nikki and understand a little bit more why she is the way she is. Yeah. Uh, because she is at her house. She calls to her dad who's getting into their limo and is like, hey, I've got a big game tonight. You're going to be there. And dad's like, I'll do my best. So you're starting to realize that Nikki is hurt people, hurt people. And she mm -hmm. just wants her dad to come to her game and her dad to support her. And he's never there. Mm -hmm. Again, a quality you give to a hero. Mm-hmm. We, we've given it to a couple villains before. This is the same as Barty from Xenon. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. We have Nikki go do some sneaky stuff. Leave a conspicuous envelope with the word confidential scrawled across it on the principal's desk. We go and have the selection of the team where Nikki, Heidi, and Heather make it to the team. Did you guys think that was weird? Oh, for sure. Did that happen at your high schools? What, where sweaters? somebody is leaving confidential letters on the principal's <laughs> no, 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 desk? No, no, no. Can't say it did. I... Like the weird ceremony in the auditorium. Oh, the, where the they... team choice. I yeah, thought you meant... Ceremony? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought you meant... <laughs> no, no, no. Did you guys think this shady shit Nikki did was hey, weird? Did, did you ever happen take at your high school? to a principal? <laughs> you know, I can't say I was too caught up in the districting of my school. I uh... <laughs> didn't really top my list of interests. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't on the up and up with everybody's address. Funny. You, you got to fucking we roll did, the decks out. We did bypass, and then and then we'll jump to you, the the team pick thing, Molly. But just because we paused here, we did bypass where Heidi had given the address, a made up address, and Nikki came and was like, "I went by your house last night. It was a Winchell's, uh, which is a regional donut shop." And so oh. this is how we've set up that like Nikki knows Heidi lied. That's not where they live. And so she knows that they're lying to be able to be on this team because she actually investigated the lie, which is what sets up this confidential thing. I, I just love when, because California is so like self-centered as a state. <laughs> I just love when they're like, everyone knows what Winchell's is, right? I had it's no like, clue what a Winchell's No. That's a no, no, no one. No, they don't. They don't know what that is. So uh, anyway, but then we get to the team pick thing. No, that didn't happen in my high school, Molly. Yeah, I didn't leave any confidential notes either. No, I'm asking if the pick thing happened. <laughs> uh, I went out for football and then I did track and field. Are you listening um, to me? And I'm just, no, I'm about to, I, there is a purpose to this. Okay. In none of those circumstances did we have a team selection okay. ceremony in an auditorium. I thought you right. were just telling me what high school activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Max, what high school activity did you do? Did you have a selection yeah. ceremony? Heated band. 
That's was right. Was there a selection ceremony right. for marching band? My, like first my, my, my version of this, I, it's not exact. It's not this, but I will say, I think this is the movie version of, of something we've, we've seen a lot as a trope, which is like going to find the list to see if you're on it. Right. Because we did, uh, yeah, like chair, like you had to audition for your chair right. in band. And so you had to wait and like, we would all hang out and wait. And then at like 8 PM, the band director would post the list and then everybody pours over. It's like, did you make the school play? Did you make the yeah. varsity team? This is like a big version of that trope, which I it, think is in every teen show ever. I just felt like, I don't recall a ceremony in the auditorium to announce the yeah. women's basketball. <laughs> it's very important at this school. If how it's very, it's very important. It's the only school where the women's basketball team is this important. That's right. Yeah. Nikki, we find later that Nikki has left on the principal's desk a notice that the Berg family has not moved in the allotted time because apparently Nikki knew that, uh, that there wasn't a lot of time. The principal calls the dad into the office the dad makes a really shit case for why he should have his student, his daughter still be at school. It is my fault, but don't punish my children, is what he says. Um, that's an abridged version. And the principal is somehow like, okay, fine, whatever. Just move before Christmas break. We have the moving scene. And this is where I think you mentioned the mom comes in halfway through the movie and it finally, it finally stands up to dad. But I do love that the, I think it's Heidi, says as they're driving into um, Sunny Soar's that they're moving it into an infected wound. What a <laughs> visceral line <laughs> that she says. Yum. A visceral burn from a 20-year-old as they move into the new living situation. Yum. But yeah, the point is, it's like a... I don't want to call it a shitty apartment complex because that feels rude, but it compared to their very nice residence that they move mm -hmm. from, it is definitely a downgrade as mm -hmm. far as living space goes. And this is when mom chooses to stand up to dad. Yeah. And I just have a really hard time believing that there's a woman on the planet that just like blindly moves into mediocre apartments Shady after source. living in a really nice house. Like I, I can get on board with her like agreeing to letting them switch schools for the basketball thing or the volleyball thing or whatever. But like, I just have a really hard time believing that the mom just like let the dad pick this horrible apartment complex and was like, great, let's live there. Seems good champ. The twins reconcile in this moment. They come together and they're like, Hey, I'm sorry. It wasn't, I, Heidi specifically apologized to Heather. It's like, I know it wasn't your idea. It was dad. They have a reconciliation. So now twins are on the same side again. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that resolution happens, we go to school. Well, we, we can't blow over mom's important talk. Oh, dad. yes. Where she does say that a good line that Max pointed out earlier. They don't need a coach. They don't need a cheerleader. They need a dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but dad they have get us. Yeah. Like, that's what she and says. She yeah. says, I'd live in a, in a box as long as my family was happy. And they don't seem so happy. And, you know, it is not... Mackenzie Phillips first time being God. a Disney Channel mom okay. mm -hmm. and dealing with some Jesus. bullshit. That's true. All right. Because Mary Birch also played Molly Phillips, which do you know what she's in? She's, she's very mom. familiar to me. She looks she I knew she I'd seen her before. She was the mom in so weird. 
Y'all remember oh, that? I do I just remember had so a weird. Blast of nostalgia. Yeah, she uh-huh. played Molly Phillips, the mom in So Weird. Her daughter was Fee, uh, Fee short for Fiona, and mm-hmm. uh, played by Kara Delizia. And Kara played herself in another film about twins, which I would say what equally on par. If not, you know what? I'm gonna say it better than this. And that was, you're invited to marry Kate and Ashley's sleepover party. <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic film mm-hmm. that starred, of course, Mary Kate and Mary Ashley Olsen. Yeah. Uh, and they did a lot of films in the 90s and 2000s. I was a big fan. One of my favorites, they played Emily and Tess Tyler in Billboard Dad. Uh-huh. I loved mm. Billboard Dad. Yeah. Were they not available for this movie? Like, honestly, they actually... <laughs> Could they not have been the basketball players? Could they not have been the basketball players? Well, At they, least they're actually twins. They're, they're tra- and likable. They're traditionally not that tall, right? Put them in heels. Okay. At least they look alike. That feels like a more <laughs> crucial element to the twin thing. Anyway. It can be on Apple boxes in every yeah. scene. <laughs> True. Their dad in Billboard Dad is Maxwell Tyler. He's an artist played by Tom Amandez. I was thrilled to see him return as Samuel Reston in Scandal. Don't Mm. know if you guys watched Scandal. Mm. I was a big fan of the Scandal. Samuel Reston should have gotten elected president, but he loses Uh because they uh, cheat. They fix it. They fix it, but don't feel bad for him because he eventually murders a guy. So it's fine. Okay. Everyone, wow. Everyone on that show murders somebody at some point. Anyway, sure. the the number one reason to watch Scandal is, of course, Queen Olivia Pope, played by Carrie Washington, who was also uh, played Broomhilda von Shaft in Django Unchained. Yeah, she did. A very good movie. I think I can actually call that one a cinematic masterpiece and not get scoff. Uh, Another appearance of Quentin Tarantino here. Yeah. Uh, Molly. It's a Tarantino yeah, that's pod, true. though. The the. QTCU. That's right. Uh, and and probably the most famous scene that she is in in Django Unchained is when Calvin Candy is lecturing, his hand starts bleeding, and he rubs it on her face. And fun fact, that's really what happened. Leonardo DiCaprio, who played Calvin Candy, actually cut his hand and uh, kept going like a method actor and actually rubbed his blood on Kerry Washington's face. <laughs> Yep, that's she loved that, I'm sure. Sarcasm. Yeah. Um, another one of my favorite Leo films, he plays Frank Abagnale Jr. in Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Speaking of principals, also in Catch Me If You Can, we had Principal Evans, who was played by Thomas Capacci, who mm. also made an appearance in 1998's cinematic masterpiece, Armageddon, as a NASA tech. Wow. Ah. Which number NASA tech was he? If I recall, we had a NASA tech last week. I'm so glad you said that, Alan, because if you think there's only one NASA tech working to send a space shuttle to the sky I, to save I don't planet Earth, get your head out of your ass. I, I, I don't think Alan, that. Alan, stop thinking there's only I, one NASA I, tech. I, I never thought Alan, that. Alan, it's pretty naive of you to think that to, only to be one clear, NASA never tech thought that. Because be you know what? You okay. know what we also had? Rando Thomas playing another NASA tech. I'm super happy yeah. that Rando Come was on, there Alan. as well. Yeah. Alan, get, get your I, shit together. I should be ashamed. Honestly. You should be ashamed. Rando Thomas, you may also know as 
quote, makeout man. What? A, a, a captivating role. I'm sorry. He played on the show Criminal Minds. Was that, a, wait, hold on. Hold That's on. what he's credited as. Makeout man? That's like what he's the action? As like the action man. of making he out. Is a man who makes out. I assume so. One one episode appearance. Is so. makes out the making out make out man Ma- making out makes out he it, makes out it was credited he as is make out. out man make out man huh. make out man make out man yeah. what a shit superhero gonna, that is he's gonna be in unwanted away. unwanted what a, what a, superhero. What a, what a, <laughs> a little too much tongue on that superhero <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's French that's makeout man. Uh, uh, also appearing in an episode of Criminal Minds as William Taylor, you had Todd Lowe. Todd Lowe had a uh, recurring role on a on a show that Max, you're gonna have to tell me more about Zach von Gerbig. Hmm. I can do that. Please. Oh, okay. Uh, Zach is Von Gerbid. Is that really his last name? Yeah. Zach Von Gerbid? Zach Van Gerbig. That's a great... Van Gerbid. Van yeah. Gerbig. Oh, okay. I I didn't realize his last name was Van Gerbig. How weird. Zach is um, a member of Lane's band, Hep Alien. Uh, he, uh, of course, starts in this band with... Dave Rogowski, played by the guy that would go on to be in the OC. What's that guy's name? Adam Seth Brody. Cohen. Adam Brody originally starts this band with Wayne. Uh, Wayne joins as the drummer of this band. And then Seth Cohen, uh, Adam Brody, gets the job on the OC, has to leave Gilmore Girls. They make a joke about him going to co- uh, college in California, referencing him going to this show. And they keep Wayne in the band. They replace Adam Brody, Seth Cohen, with um, Sebastian Bach as the new uh, guitar player for Hep Alien. But Zach is the lead singer moving forward. Uh, And he would go on to then marry Lane. Wayne, uh, I'm giving you way too much information. Wayne, well, this is of course, a Gilmore Girls situation. Now. Wayne, of course, Ray, Seventh Day Adventist, uh, finds out when dating Zach that although she has gone against all of her parents' wishes in terms of religion, that the don't have sex until marriage thing stuck with her. When Zach tries to hook up with her while they're just dating, and she realizes she can't until they get married, so they wait until they get married to have sex, and then she gets pregnant on the first time, and so God, then they have, <laughs> yeah, then they have <laughs> babies and. And uh, in the reunion, they they are still together. So that's Zach Van Gerbig. Thank you. I knew he was important enough to make it into the reunion, but I didn't know he'd have such a compelling story. Yeah, um, a lot of info and, uh, there for you. And I suppose you didn't happened? know I'm going to connect that to Louise Grant. Of course. I don't know who she is either. I'd be happy to tell you, Molly. Louise Grant is one of the friends of Paris Geller that Rory first engages with when she goes to Chilton. A few moments later. And Louise, of course, Nikki in our current show. This, of course, also I have to mention that the, the transfer to Chilton. Also, another thing in common with Double Teamed ultimately does create a money conflict in which Lorelei has to go two weeks later. What's in common between Gilmore Girls and Double Team? Where am I? Yeah, so... Um, Welcome to the Gilmore Girls pod, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to reiterate again that uh, Louise plays Nikki Williams, our 
alleged antagonist in this film, but mm-hmm. actual hero of Double Teamed. Thank you for that illuminating view into the mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls universe. How wild that Rory ends up in a dystopian nightmare getting her click cut off. Um, it is my belief that um, that those shows are in the same timeline. You think so? You think Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls and The Handmaid's Tale <laughs> are connected? I do. <laughs> I, you know what? We're kind of living in the Handmaid's Tale right now. I'm just now, saying. So I, I'm well, just I, saying. Okay. I'll take it. I think we might have just set the record for the longest Armageddon yeah, we have ever My done. fault. <laughs> um, anyway. Sorry. I, I could talk for a while about it. Quickly. That's the Armageddon. <laughs> oh, wow. Woo boy. You've been armageddon the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. We have a gathering again. Heidi and Heather are once more united as twins. So clearly we have to move to a new bit of antagonistic uh, impetus in the plot. And that is now the team knows that Heidi has lied about her living situation and you don't lie to teammates. You just don't do it. And in practice, yeah, because money was never a problem. This is right. <laughs> just <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> they make it out to be money. And then everyone's like, we actually don't give a shit about your money status. We just care that you lied to us. That's all we care about. Yep. Which I liked. I liked that they included that bit. And it was like Heidi kind of was caught out in the cold on that one. This results in nobody on the rest of the team passing the ball to the twins and the twins only playing basketball with each other throughout the next practice, which is not effective in any team environment. And this is best represented when the basketball coach sits down and writes the word team. <laughs> And then asks, can anybody define what that word means and doesn't make it clear that that is a rhetorical question Hmm. because he shuts down answers immediately. Like, I don't need an answer from you. You're not doing the thing. And I was like, again, pal, likable. But when it comes to coaching, not your strong suit. But this is all to set up that there is a tournament happening in New York. And should the team continue behaving this way, they're not going to go. So the team straightens up their act immediately. Don't you think you should have let them know about the tournament like earlier than right then? Yes. <laughs> Instead of writing the word team on the board like, and being antagonistic like, about we it. We are aware that the Christmas holidays are coming up because the principal tells dad you have to be moved by the holidays, which would indicate that the holidays are right around the corner. And then the coach is like well i guess i'll tear up the invitation and everyone's like what invitation and he's like uh we got invited to be in a tournament in new york but i'm not even gonna tell them that we're coming because you guys suck so bad (laughs) and it's like should they not have been informed of this earlier what if what if i don't know this is a crazy idea their families want to spend the christmas holiday with them (laughs) You, you might want to give them a heads up. Also, there is a monetary component to this. They have to buy plane tickets and pay for a hotel stay. Last your minute high plane not... tickets all the way across the country are not cheap. And, well, I mean, we get we get a montage of Heidi and Heather working, cleaning boats and yachts to save money to go on this trip. By the way, we get to the airport. They have this needless interaction about first class versus coach. 
And the destination they fly to is the exact same fucking high school gym that they played at for the rest of the movie because they did not go anywhere new. It was not a trip to New York at all. They just made a U-turn in that casting bus and went all the way back to the high school gym. Where they put up different banners. (laughs) (laughs) When they cut to that They made it darker. Yes, they did. They they made that a very dark gym. (laughs) They did so much work to reset the gym for all of the different locations. Like just go to another high school. Yeah. Like yeah. Just go to another high school gym. They come in second place in the tournament. We randomly run into Zoe, which again, you think it's going to matter. But nope. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. Not What's at all. What's the point of running into Zoe? To remind everybody that Heidi has drama aspirations and to introduce the drama camp. It was at this moment that I said, or I thought to myself like, is this a movie about her not going after her dreams and it's just a tragedy? <laughs> like, like she is standing outside this theater <laughs> looking longingly in at the Nutcracker. She's not going in because she's there for the basketball tournament. Zoe comes up and she's like, the play was good, by the way. You weren't there, but it was shit. great. And oh, Heidi's like, God. I, yeah, I would have loved to. And Zoe's like, you should come watch. And she's like, I... Yeah, I can't. I have to the basketball thing. And I was like, man, she really this is just a tragedy of her not doing the thing she wants to do because she plays basketball now. The team comes in second. And for the first time in tournament history, we're going to give the MVP, the most valuable player award to somebody not on the winning team. And it's going to go to Heather. I want I, can, can one of you all explain to me? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why is this part of this movie here? I because bro, I, I just want it. Just two quick bullets. Yeah, we don't see like the impetus of this is you need to play more like a team, or you're not going to go to New York. We never see them grow as a team. Then they skip the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. We don't see them play at all, and they lose. Accurate. There's been no growth. There's. We didn't see any growth that would cause them to go to the tournament. Apparently, they played well as a team. They beat good people. They got second. We didn't see it. Nope. And then after this, we're going to get them learning and growing as a team. After this scene. I I almost wonder if it's a poor way to represent (laughs) that, like, if you have been able to play as a team, you could have gotten first. Right? Like, it, it feels like someone's making their TikTok and they put the wrong clip in the wrong order. I've done that before. (laughs) I've shown myself buttering a pan after I put it in the oven. (laughs) They should have put that scene first. I just... What? They could remove this and it would have no impact on the movie. Yes. Yes. That's most of the movie. Now, now, I I almost wonder, because we're going to get something later, and the only only caveat I'm reaching, by the way, so just know that ahead of time. I am reaching is Heather gets MVP and that stokes ego for her, even though she's disappointed about the loss, because what happens later is when we get to the, we, we, we have some interactions in the airport that we should talk about, but, but later when they get to another game, Heidi is given the opportunity to take free throw shots and that upsets Heather because she feels like she's the better player because she got MVP, mm-hmm. but that's down the road. What happens first is everyone arrives back at the airport to a cheering section and Nikki wants to see dad there. And dad is not there. It's the driver. True. He's nice, though. 
He is nice. I do like the driver. Yeah, nice guy. And we have the suddenly friends moment of this decom where everything's good now. May, may I ask a question? Sure. Mm. The twin see Nikki sitting alone. It's allegedly Christmas, I guess. And one of them is like gonna go talk to her. And the other one's like, are you gonna forgive her that easily? She's the one that told the principal about us. How do they know that? <laughs> they read it in the script, Molly. They, they how the <laughs> fuck do they know that she's how they got in trouble? Like, they could have gotten in trouble without her. Like, I don't think I would have possibly thought, oh, I got blackmailed or someone did something mean to me. I would think the school was doing their job and doing accurate record keeping. But they're like, we can't be nice to her. She's the one that turned us in and made us move. And it's like, you should not know that. Yeah. You know, and I think Heidi's even the one who says she's the one who turned us in. And I want to be like, but Heidi, you're the one who lied to her to begin with. So it, it's actually your fault, believe it or not, by by way of that logic. But again, I agree. They shouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, anyway, they, they go befriend her and are like, hey, do you want to come to this restaurant with us for Christmas dinner instead of an empty mansion? Well, they go home. And the the restaurant is home. And it's, mm-hmm. it's gross. And, and dad it's is gross. Like it's dad gross. is making gross food and then acting arrogant about it. I was like, no dog, your food shit. He's like, making like bean and cheese grilled cheeses on a panini press. Bacon, look, cheese and beans. They look disgusting. <laughs> Why beans? Why the beans? You got to have good fiber. Got to keep that lower intestine moving. But then, then they, now they're friends. Yep. It yeah. took It took one second. And we bond over basketball bro who comes out when they go out to the local apartment because we got to have, we got to have a love interest, y'all. We got to. And we got to have these three girls fawning over basketball bro who mansplains basketball to these three girls. I was going to say, thank goodness. Thank goodness that these girls had a guy who could come out and explain to them how to play. Thank goodness. He's so rude. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. It would be one thing if he, cause he is allegedly like the star of the, the boys basketball team. It would be one thing if he complimented them and then they were like maybe playing some two on two. And then he was like, Hey, do you mind if I show you something I learned? He off the bat is like, how was the tournament? And they go, we lost. And he goes, figures. You guys suck. Like he just straight up <laughs> and you're like, tells them you're terrible and you're not a team. And this is everything you're doing wrong. And let me mansplain basketball to you. And I was That's like, right. let me in two minutes to like coach you better than your coach. And it's like, eh, you could have done Ooh. that nicely, dude. It's called delivery. My guy and yours is currently pretty bad. Um, I thought in this moment that his terrible delivery and coaching was like, well, we're going to immediately see this pay off in the next game. And it does. They're playing so great. And Heidi's got the hot hand. But we keep having cutaways. God, this made me hate dad even more. Where dad's like, get the ball to Heather. She's your money player. Get the ball to Heather. And it comes down to a, a, a tie game at the end. The other coach gets a technical foul leading our, our team who we're rooting for. The Sea Kings. 
the well-known Sea King basketball team. I'm sorry, Sea King ladies basketball team, high school. They have to make free throws. And dad is shouting to give Heather the ball. And the coach says, no, Heidi will be the one. Dad charges the court. He does. That's, if the ref was paying attention and doing his job, also not great. And he should be involved. Like, should have been involved in that. Dad shouts at the coach. He's like, what are you doing? Give it to Heather. Heather's a better player. Heather's your money player. And coach is like, get the fuck back in the stands, homeboy. Not your call. Heather steps up, whiffs the first shot, makes the second. We win. Let me just tell you, when Heidi missed the first shot. Oh, Heidi, you're right. Thank you. I was like, again, if, if this movie is about this girl not being in drama, leaving the play, <laughs> not getting to live her dreams, and then we give her the ball to win the game and she misses both foul shots, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Like, <laughs> like, like what Poor a Greek girl. tragedy of a film. If, yeah. if she just gets up and they're Poor like, girl. all right, it's your time, and she just beefs both shots. She's <laughs> like, I didn't even want she this. Just like, banks both off She's the like, rim. I never wanted to play. I just wanted to be the 10 man. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the town hates her now. <laughs> oh, All I wanted was a heart. God, that it, this movie ends so much worse. <laughs> if that's how it plays out. Oh, God. Oh, wow. I know I was creeped out by Marshall wearing the ruby slippers, but I didn't ask for this. I just wanted to follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> Turns to dad in the face. I you. wanted to be off to see the wizard. <laughs> now she's to deal with the mental trauma of everyone in the high school hating her because she lost the big game. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Yeah, she's in the bathroom crying. If ever, ever a wizard was the, the movie ends above. on the movie ends on the bottom of a bathroom stall <laughs> with just her feet as she clicks her basketball shoes together, going, "There's no place like home. There's no place like home." Up. <laughs> oh god the wizard of oz in minor key just plays as it, as it fades the blacks <laughs> oh what a better movie <laughs> Instead, though, Heidi makes the second shot, and the team goes ecstatic. They win the game. Heather is not happy. Yeah, God forbid her, her sister get one moment in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, how, how dare she? How dare she? And Heather this takes... Is another, oh, another okay. example of her not being likable. You know yes. what I mean? Like, That's what I'm saying. I think Heidi's likable. More likable. Heidi is more likable, certainly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Heidi is an over-actress, but she is more likable. Heather takes out her anger by sparring with basketball bro out in the basketball court. And I say sparring because she is aggressively handling that she basketball. Um, and you just, and, and even the basketball bro is like, hey, maybe you chill. Like what you're doing right now isn't helpful. And I was like, oh, what a weird fucking 180 you just made to be actually helpful, my guy. Well done. Good advice. 
Heather doesn't take it. Goes up for the laziest jump shot I've ever seen in my entire life. And then we get a zoom in close up shot on her ankle as that son of a bitch gets twisted. It crunches. It's it, it makes like a and you're like, oh no. Oh. That actually that actually made me get the shivers because anytime you zoom in on the injury, mm-hmm. I hate that. Those are the types of videos you're like, oh no, no, full shivers. Don't like it. But Heather's injured now. It's a problem. Your money player, mm-hmm. as dad would say, is injured. And this is where we get up. the this is where we get the mom resolution here because Heather is hurt. She's sad. She's upset. She's gonna miss the big game. Mom comes in and uh, is talking to her about it. And she's like, this was supposed to be my thing. I was supposed to love basketball. And, you know, Heidi wasn't like, why did Heidi get to take the shot? And mom's like, hey, listen, somebody's always going to be better than you, which is actually great advice. Like, uh, she's like, I love swimming. This person was better than me. And I still love swimming. And, uh and, and so you get this like mom resolution, which again, when I heard it just made me think like, man, you, th- you should have been the driving force. So like this, this movie would have just been better if you were the driving force of, of this whole thing. I just want to go back to this movie started out about volleyball. I know. <laughs> it's also like the, <laughs> let's talk about something that doesn't make any damn sense at all in terms of that. The reason she plays basketball is because it's the off season of volleyball. Yes. Right. Except that they are already playing basketball before the holiday break. And then they continue to play basketball until the summer break. Basketball is the whole year at this school. There's no volleyball off season. They've quit volleyball. There is no volleyball. So why the fuck did we have volleyball in the first five <laughs> minutes of this movie? <laughs> I, I also want to point out another reason that dad is the villain. And that's, but I don't think explored to the depths. When she hurts her ankle, she's like, dad's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. That's her first reaction. She doesn't say mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, my ankle hurts. Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to play in the game. She says, dad's going to be mad. And then when dad sees her hurt, she goes, I'm really sorry. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's a problem. Yeah. That is, that is not a good relationship. That's not a good sign. Yeah. You get hurt. And your first reaction is someone's going to be mad at me because I got hurt. Mm. Yeah. But the show must go on. Well, not the show. Heidi didn't get to audition for that. The game must be played. So we go to the final game of the season. Heather is out. Heather looks to Heidi, you have to carry the team. And the game begins. And it's not going great. That's true. They are, they're not, they're they're sort of losing it first and keeping it a bit neck and neck. And it comes down once more to the final play. Wait, hold on. I have to add something. Because again, this character's arc is the best arc in the movie. And that is that the reason it's not going well is because Heidi and Heather are normally able to split the defense. They are both threats on offense and they can split the defense. But because Heidi is the only player and the only one of the sisters in the game, they are double, triple teaming Heidi and, and and she's never open. And so the coach is like, 
Heidi, if they're triple teaming you, some player needs to be open. We got to get the ball to someone. And as you all know who they're referring to, Nikki's absent father walks in the basketball court because he's finally here for the big game. And finally, Nikki can play and, and have her father support her in the one moment where, of course, she's open for every shot because they're triple teaming Heidi. And now Heidi can assist Nikki for her to have her moment in the sun in front of her dad. And I'm like, yeah, she's a hero. She's yes. the, this is the protagonist of this film. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Also, I want to, I want to add one minor addition to that. Max, Nikki's father walks in with Heidi and Heather's father. True that. Yeah. And you know what? That never fucking gets paid off. They try to, they and it sort doesn't. of imply it. They sort of imply very subtly that maybe, Maybe the twins' dad had something to do with that. And he's like, don't worry about it. He does one of those yeah. down the road. Yeah. We have this game. It's brought back. It's neck and neck. You are down by one. And what should we get but a behind-the-back, dark-shot locker room walkout. I'm sorry. Stagger-out shot because Heather has changed into her basketball uniform, still on crutches, gets to the door, leaves the crutches behind, and then takes the most excruciatingly slow walk <laughs> on to visibly in pain. Dude, what the fuck is this scene? It is, it is a poorly executed Remember the Titans rev moment, and I am mad about it. It was so poorly done. God forbid we let Nikki have a moment. Jesus. Like what? Or Heidi, for that matter. Like, so Heather comes out supposedly having learned the value of teamwork and therefore is going to be the star again and walks into the huddles like, I can be a distraction. You can't move. Your ankle <laughs> done bent in half. You can't yeah, move. You, you can't walk. And the you, coach even says that to her. He's like, you can't walk. And I especially like that they think the other team is so stupid because she <laughs> just did this in front of all the other team. And she's like, all right, here's Ow. the plan, guys. Ow. I Ow. will go on the court and they'll come, they'll come double team me and then I can throw it to Heidi or to Nikki. And it's like, the other team watched you limp out here. They're not <laughs> stupid. They're you, not going to cover you. You're making audible sounds of pain and distress. Like, you're not subtle. And and then the coach does the most irresponsible shit ever. He's like, good fucking idea. Let's do it. And I was like, what? He's like, that just might work. No, it won't. It won't work, but it does because we can't let Nikki have a moment. So Heather goes out onto the court. They're passing the ball back and forth. It eventually hits Heather's hands. By the way, according to the lore of this section of the film, they've got seconds to mm -hmm. accomplish this play. Mm -hmm. And then Heather takes her sweet time and does the weirdest little... It's her little dance, little man. Two she step. loves the dance. And I was like, you... What? The, the, this whole thing is so fucking stupid. And then... <laughs> and then in the game, she gets the ball. Mm -hmm. Right? In the game, she gets the ball. She finally... They're like, take the shot. Right? Except she's lined up almost to half court. Like... The, because what the coach says is the coach is like, I one of two things is going to happen. They're either the defenders are going to come to you. And so then somebody will be open. You, you can pass the ball or they're not going to come to you and you got to take the shot. 
So what you do in that moment, if you can't move, is you line up for the best shot possible, right? You give yourself the best fucking chance you can to make that shot so that either the defenders move in and you get a free pass to somebody or you take a fucking foul shot of a, you know what I mean? Like easy basket. It said she lines up at half court. Yep. She can't take that fucking shot. No. It's a 35 foot shot she'd have to make. Like it's so far away. And so instead, finally a defender comes for her and she can suddenly walk. Not, because not she jukes the defender in like, slow-mo with the worst faces god oh my just, god after she does like a toddler getting ready to run dance like she's she, been doing that the whole movie they made a thing out of it where she has this little like she calls it what is she refers to uh she references ali um oh. and she's like oh it's the like ali movement uh you know like float like a butterfly um and this is why you think I'm going to go this way. And then I go around you. It's her like little weird on my bad ankle. Thing. Yeah, she that'll, that'll add up. Literally, her bad ankle is the pivot ankle mm-hmm. that no, you fall. You fall there. I, listen, I've got weak Adrenaline. ankles. I've torn both all the ligaments in both of my ankles multiple times. You attempt to do that juke. You fall over. Tell that to Carrie Strug. All right. Well, you know, fair point. Point made. Olympic gold medalists yes. are not, you know, they're an exception to the they're rule. They're also superhuman. They're not really. Right. <laughs> right. Like a little bit of tape and on an Olympic athlete, and they're still going to beat me in a dash any day of the week. So Heather magically does her Ali juke, tosses, passes the ball to Heidi, who makes the shot. God forbid it goes to Nikki to resolve that relationship that was originally antagonistic at the start of the film, as would make sense. But she sends it to Heather to resolve the jealousy plot line that we have already established and shoehorned in here at the last minute. Everybody cheers. It's a big celebration. We've won the game. We walk out. We, uh, well, not all of us walk out. Heather limps out on crutches. But we make our way out of the uh, out of the court and dad apologizes. Yeah. He went to therapy off screen in the middle of the game, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, and he, but, he took Nikki's dad, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they both went. <laughs> they had a group sesh. Couple therapy. <laughs> <laughs> a, better, a better movie. Honestly, yeah. I wish we had a cutaway to that scene. That yeah. would have been great. And he apologizes. And the girls let him off scot-free. They always do. Yeah, it's true. Well, that's because this happens with two minutes left in the movie. Like, there's no time to resolve anything else. No. It just is a happy ending, right? Right. Do you guys ever miss Ryan Merriman's dad in Smart House and how... (laughs) God, he's such a good parent. ...was actually a good dad and was able to communicate with his Dude, I'm just remembering how good that scene was where he, like, yelled at... um, Yeah. You're not the only one who lost someone, Ben. Oh, man, it was so good. A true dramatic So good. Yeah, well, now we got this guy. Yeah. yeah. Basketball coach comes up and is like, there's talk of a woman's pro league. Because he's talking, dad's talking about college ball. Mm-hmm. We should, and then we get, dad really hasn't changed his ways. He's not sorry at all because he's me like, a pro league. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to be money. money again. Money, money, I've got money, two money. money players. That's double the money. I have cha-ching dollar signs in my eyeballs like a cartoon. Unfortunately for dad and for all professional women's basketball players everywhere, there's not really money in the WNBA. So, uh, Travis. Um, it's, you know. <laughs> incredibly inequitable but oh, yeah the, the inequity between men's and women's professional sports continuing to be a massive issue in today's society yeah. which is fucking wild we walk out of the stadium 
of the beneath the bleachers of the it's unclear where we are a hallway maybe and as we walk out we're saying oh we're gonna do basketball camp and dad's like well i don't know Heidi. you said something about a drama camp your summer's already booked and that's supposed to help us resolve the fact that heidi can now pursue her dreams but can she no because we cut away to the same fucking stadium in big close-up shots this is a professional sports it is not the same professional sports stadium it is a very dark spotlight cutaway shot anytime they want it to be a different stadium they just make it dark and we have, and, turn some lights and, off. We will notice. Paint a different logo on the floor. On the floor. <laughs> and we have a walkout and stare down in the darkness with very isolated lighting between Heidi and Heather. Can I just say, once again, they did not want to pay the license for the actual Jock Jam CD. And they have <laughs> yeah. got the knockoff version of like that that like jock jam higher. song they have yeah. yeah it's like an octave higher and a little slower but it is like clearly a rip off i just remember dribble dribble shoot shoot dribble dribble shoot shoot dribble dribble shoot a classic a classic yeah. tune we've all heard finally I, I listen i'm i'm ready to give this movie a little bit of credit for this final scene Finally, these girls look age appropriate. Yes. There we go. <laughs> All they did was nothing because they're 20 and 27. Because now they're actual ages. <laughs> right. Right. They walk out, do a stare down. Heather does the classic line. You're always going to be second best. And we end on a freeze frame as they are doing the jump ball to which, start the game, which is also impossible because they didn't actually overlap their time in the NBA. It's true. Correct. So they did yeah. take creative liberties, Max. Thank God. Yeah, Thank God this, that's where they this changed. This is another the last spot we needed it. Six yeah. seconds of the film. Yeah. And uh, that's where this movie ends, everybody. It ends on this freeze frame as we're going for a jump ball. So yeah. we've made it through double teamed. I got to know. What do you rate this movie? Five. I think this is the most average of average decoms we've seen. Mm. Like it is it's it is the like the quintessential average decom a not super likable main character uh the antagonist that probably should be the main character a shitty dad a mom that doesn't do anything a good sports drama this is the average decom i mean it's every trope we're used to baby uh uh yeah i'll do i'm five it's right down the middle yeah Right down the middle. <laughs> I, oh, dude, I, I just actually, got nostalgia. Sorry. <laughs> I actually also was going to give it a five because of everything Max just said. I actually didn't hate watching this movie. I thought it was paced well. I thought the acting was better than some that we've seen. And I love a sports movie. Like, I don't really give a shit yeah. what sport it is. I like sports movies, and I don't even like sports that much. But, like, yeah, it felt like a, it felt like a decom. And I also like the high school setting more than some of what we've gotten recently. Like mm-hmm. I like the high school drama. I like the mean girl trope. I like the all the early 2000s bullshit of being in high school. I could not bring myself to give it a 5 because of the dad trope being back and I just like I, that's starting to wear on me. I gave it a 4.9 though. I literally just knocked oh, it down okay. a point 1, um which is mostly just me being petty. We got overacting again, but it's still better than the majority of the acting that we've seen in a lot of the, the decoms on the lower end of the spectrum. So it was nice to see like that caliber come back up, mm-hmm. even if it was just in a minor way. Now I'm going to read you a review from IMDb. 
Can't wait. The title of the review is The Problem? Well, ellipses. Well, what? I'm about to tell you. Don't you worry. Strap in, pal. The problem with this movie is that the sisters, supposedly twins, look nothing alike. The film is based on the true life story of WNBA stars Heather and Heidi Burge, who overcame sexism, etc., to accomplish their goal of being basketball players. Sexism, etc.? Also, that's not actually a plot point in this movie. Not at all. The film is okay, etc. The film is okay, and I'm more than pleased that family films can stick to the old formula. No swearing, violence, sex, etc. But a good-natured family (laughs) film with values. But the film itself is poorly written and acted. It's good that films like these can still be made, but the problem lies with A, bad directors, B, bad scripts, C, bad actors, and D, low budgets that would make The Blair Witch Project blush. The fact that Disney will not release films like these into theaters tells us something. They are either too ashamed to release something with actual taste, or they are, ser- or they are serving to a new generation that they created, plain and simple. Uh, cap, I'm yelling for Cap. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm yeah. oh, I got it. Yeah. yeah. Family films used to be good, but since Disney started making babysitter films of the classics, i.e. The Jungle Book 2, 101 Dalmatians 2, etc., kids have gotten used to minimum entertainment. They no longer realize what quality films are because corporations like Disney taught them not to know any better. <laughs> oh my God. They accept lousy movies because they've been taught to. Perhaps someday we'll see a change, but all I see is continual downfall. This is the reason I praise movies like Toy Story so much. They can stick to the old-fashioned way of entertainment. Quality. As for Double Teamed, unfortunately, despite some good qualities, the film just doesn't make it to a high level. Four out of ten. This person seems unfamiliar with the concept of a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I gathered that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like, a budget that would make the Blair Witch Project Blush. Yeah, interesting reference. Mm, I like in 2002, we're referencing Toy Story. I mean, great movie, but that was seven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Even Toy Story 2 was out by then. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A more topical reference, my guy. Feels like there's a different Pixar movie you could have referenced in that that slot. Do Mm. we need to tell them that Disney and Pixar? Yeah. Yeah, who who wants the same thing? Who wants to tell them? Maybe not yet. Yeah, not, not well. No, not yet. Not well. I don't know when they wrote the review. But. Uh, two thousand and three. Hmm. So not yet. So not yet. But I just I read this and I was like, wow, this is a lot of etcetras, and I just sexism etc. Sexism etc. Yeah. Sexism etc. Sexism, et yeah. Sex etc. I hate sexism etc. Etc. I especially hate the etc. Yeah, the etc. Really, the yeah, sexism so, I can so. deal with. It's the etc. I have a problem. Uh, it's with. the audacity yeah. of the etc. Yeah. That you've gone too far. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, well, that is their review. Again, four out of ten. A little bit lower than us. A, a lot of. Uh, I was very passionate for a four out of ten. Um, I say I expect that to be a lower four out of ten after blasting the quality of films uh, from corporations. Etc. Uh, I was expecting more of a one or a two, you know? Yeah. It was just like corporations like Disney taught their audience not to know any better. I was like, homeboy. Yeah. It's going to be okay. <sighs> well, that was double teamed. Uh, we made it. Good. I should say good average sports film. Cool. 
Next up is Cadet Kelly. Cadet Kelly. I, I am thrilled. God, I hope this holds I am up. Fingers crossed, man. Dude, I I want to We get this Hillary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano. Yeah, we do. I have anxiety. I remember this movie. I remember it being good. I loved this I movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. I love Interesting. Okay. It. I was I was a big Lizzie McGuire stan, so of course I was mm-hmm. real into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I actually watched this during quarantine. I think when I was like on a on a binge of like old, old Disney, Disney channel stuff. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's not as uh, far back in my brain as some of these others. I, and I also think that we're we're looking at people who are more well known. We've got somebody from Liz, the Lizzie McGuire show and even Stevens making their their callbacks. Mm-hmm. So like at least these are familiar faces from the shows that they were in. So I'm hoping that that like. Is 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 it appropriate to call that star power in a decom? Oh, Hillary in Disney, is star yeah, power. in a decom for sure. Let's hope it translates. I really do hope it holds up. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Zeus Lapidus. Please like, subscribe, review, give us that rating. It does help us out, and make sure you're following us on all of our social platforms at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore club. And until next time, we will see you for Cadet Kelly. Goodbye. Hey now, hey now. This is what dreams dreams are made of.